All right, this morning we're continuing in our study of Jonah uh, as the last book study in our summer reading list series. It's been a great time together in God's Word through the summer as we've looked at different books and and, uh, drawn some truth out of that to apply to our lives together. Uh, If you weren't here last week for the start of the Jonah study, I encourage you to uh, go back and we have a, a podcast channel on iTunes. You can find us on there or through our website uh, under the audio tab. You can stream any of our messages and go back and find this one and others maybe that you weren't part of. Um, but last week as we jumped in to the, the book of Jonah, uh, we really saw that he is a, a prophet who was serving God previously and had been used of God in prophetic ministry uh, before the king of Israel, and he seemed fine with that. But when it came to the call of, of God to him to go and preach to Nineveh, that great city, he said, nope, sorry too much. I'm stepping out of this one. I'm done. Not only am I not going to go to Nineveh, I'm done with you, God. That's what he said. And he ran the complete opposite direction of the call that God had for him to do. You know, here's Israel, and Nineveh was over here to the east, and what Jonah decided to do was go as far west as he could to the very opposite end of the world, thinking to himself foolishly, this will get me out of God's presence. And the the text said that. He fled from the Lord's presence. didn't just flee from the call of God. He fled from God himself, trying to get himself out of the very presence of God. Of God, And what Jonah showed us uh, through his actions and his choices, what we saw in chapter 1, is what sin and rebellion will do in our lives every time. And it will do nothing but ruin. It will cause nothing but destruction and misery. And at the end of the chapter, we see that after God literally throws a storm on the sea, on, at the boat that Jonah is in, not to do away with Jonah as, as he thought and, and as the sailors thought, but as, to get his attention, to get him to turn back to God, instead of responding in repentance and in worship, which the pagan sailors themselves were doing, Jonah apparently says, you know what? I'd rather die than respond to God. I'd rather commit suicide than commit to repentance. And so we see that he tells the sailors, you know what, Um, this is my fault, I admit that. I'm running from God. You see, I'm a Hebrew. I'm also a prophet. I'm not just a a Jewish person, not just one of God's chosen people. I'm actually a prophet. And uh, so that makes it even worse that I'm running from him. I know this is just judgment on me. Tell you what, you'll be fine if you pick me up and just throw me into the sea. And they didn't want to do it. You know, they said, well, we'll be guilty of innocent blood. He said, no, you really, you're going to have to do it. It's not going to stop until you do. They tried other things. The storm just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So finally they're like, okay, I, I guess we have no choice. And they pray to God and say, hey, please don't lay this man's life on, on our account. They throw him into the sea. And he's sinking and he's sinking and he's sinking. And... I'm, I'm just thinking, in Jonah's mind, he thought, all right, this is it. This is it. I'm done, and there's no more hope for me, and I guess, you know, I really did get out of God's presence because here I go. And so we pick up in uh, Jonah, and I'm going to actually have you look at verse 17 of chapter 1 that we finished last week just to 
set our, our minds in the context of what's going on before we jump into 2, which is our main text for today. So verse 17, as he's thrown into the sea, down Jonah goes. Verse 17 of chapter 1 says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So maybe you've had a bad week this week. Maybe you've had a really bad morning, a stressful morning. You know, those times where um, you know you're, you're supposed to, to go to church, so you do it. No matter how tired you are from last night, no matter how tired you were from the week, you said, you know what, we're going to go to church today. We're going we're going to do that as a family. We're going to worship the Lord together. It's going to be good. And you know what happens. Stress on Sunday morning. So maybe that's your, your story and maybe you've had a really doozy of a week. But I guarantee none of us have had a week or a day like Jonah. So we can be encouraged right away. Right? So that's what happens with Jonah. He, he's thrown into the uh, sea, a great fish appointed by God. See, he didn't get out of God's presence. No matter what he thought he was doing, he didn't get away from God. God had a fish waiting for him, you know. And so that's, that's Jonah's situation. And we jump in then to chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying... And before we jump into what is said, that's significant. Because remember all that Jonah was doing up to this point. He was disobeying a direct call and command from God. He, he totally rejected a clear um, plan that God had for his life. What I want you to do is go here and say this. Nope, sorry, not going to do it. He's actually fleeing from his own relationship with God, he's rejecting and he's turning his back on God. He's saying, I'm done with you. I, I'm no longer going to be your prophet. I'm not seeking you. You're, you're not in any way in my mind, in any way in my heart. I'm done. Rebellion, sin, over and over and over throughout the whole introduction to this account. But finally, finally we see Jonah responding to his God. And it took a while for him to get there, and it took some pretty intense circumstances. It took a pretty dramatic thing to get him to do it, but it's still a beautiful thing to see, right? That he's actually starting to respond to God. And we said last week, don't assume that a storm coming into your life is just the enemy, Satan, doing that. Don't assume it's just evil. It may very well be the loving act of your perfect father doing that to get you to turn back to him or to take you deeper with him in your relationship. And that's certainly what we see with Jonah. So while he's in this very cramped, tight space, would have been awful. I mean, think about it. He's in a fish. I don't know about you, but there's only a certain amount of fish that I can eat because fish just, it smells like fish, right? I mean, it tastes so fishy. And, and so, you know, there's only, like, only a very certain group of fish that I can tolerate, you know. And, and, um, and my children can't tolerate any at all. I mean, we like salmon, and so we'll fix salmon, and it's wonderful. Salmon's great. It's delicious. And, and I do this great thing with it. Oh, my goodness, it's good. Anyway, um, 
they, every time I fix it, no matter how good it actually smells, they still say, I'm not eating that. We're not eating that. It smells like fish. It's like, that's because it is fish. But think about being inside a fish. And most likely, this is a kind of fish that ate other fish. So you've got, you know, rotting, decaying sea things inside this animal that Jonah's inside of. And, uh, I mean, you've got all this water sloshing around. It would be dark, really smelly. And um, some uh, people that know more than, than I do think that it was probably about 108 degrees inside that fish. So it's a nice sauna, so to speak. And um, you know what happens when we break down food, right? Digestive juices. Uh, so it probably would have bleached Jonah's skin, you know, totally just bleached him completely. He would have been like albino man. Uh, so that's what is going on in Jonah's situation. You know, it's, uh, it's not exactly a picnic. But despite all that, and despite where his heart had been, his heart was a lot more bitter than his environment. Okay? But despite all of that, he finally turns to God, and what he says in this prayer is incredible, and it teaches us so many things. Last week, Jonah's life taught us about sin and rebellion and what it does to a life. This week, in this chapter, and in this prayer, man, Jonah's prayer teaches us so much about God. Teaches us so much about Him and about our, our relationship with Him and, and ourselves in view of Him and what we can do because of who He is, no matter what we've done. This chapter and what it teaches us will have positive ramifications and positive effects in our lives as we go forward for, for many days and weeks and months and years to come. So here's what Jonah says in, in his, his prayer. Um, and, and what it teaches us, okay? Uh, first of, of all, what it teaches us, what we, we see right off the bat, right at the beginning, uh, is that even at our lowest, God listens. Even at our lowest point, even at our lowest situation and circumstance in life, our darkest day, even then God listens if we will call out to Him. Even, even if we have... Um, really, really messed things up in our relationship with him or others. Even if we have chosen sin and it's, and it's just wrecked us and we've, we've given into it and we've, you know, we've listened to the lie of, of sin and we've given into it and now we're, we're really suffering because of, we're at our lowest point because of our sinful choices. Even then, God's ear is attentive to us. Look at what he says. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Yeah, distress is a good word for where Jonah was. And he answered me. Despite his distress, despite his distress that was a result of his own decision, the Lord heard. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice. Sheol in the Hebrew, it's, it's the word for... Um, kind of the underworld, you know, the, the neverlands, the, the uh, place of the dead and the destitute. It's, it's a hopeless environment. You know, it, it, there's no hope in Shul. 
And so he's, he's comparing his situation to that. You know, he's saying, I, I've, been, I've been swallowed up by the grave, as it were, and now I'm in its belly, you know. And um, certainly we can understand why he would say that. He's saying, there is certainly no hope in myself now. There's no, certainly no hope that, that I have in anyone or anything else. I mean, I'm in a fish going through the ocean. I might as well be in Shul. I might as well be in the grave. I might as well be in Hades. And yet, out of that, Jonah says, God, you heard my voice. When I was at my lowest point, I couldn't get any lower than where I'm at. You still heard me. And, and this just echoes from, from the Psalms, like, like David's Psalms in 139 that we even looked at last week, where David said there in, in the Psalms, if I make my bed in hell, even there you will find me. And Jonah obviously knew the Psalms because this prayer is full of, of references and quotes from the Psalms, which is why I said last week, uh, he clearly just ignored what had to be God's word coming to his mind as he was running away when he said, I'm going to flee from the Lord's presence. Because in Psalm 139, David said, where can I go from your presence? I can't get away from you. No matter where I go, you're there. And so he's, he's echoing um, the, the passionate prayer of the Psalms here. And he says, even though I, I might as well be in the grave, even there, you're hearing me, you're responding to me. I just want to encourage you today, no matter where you are in life, no matter how empty you might feel right here this morning, whether that's from your own decisions and choices or some outside circumstance, the temptation when we get low is to think that God has abandoned us. And an extra part of that temptation is when we have done something of our own decision to cause us to be in that low point. You know, when we know uh, we haven't listened to the voice of God, when we've, we've rejected his word, we've made a selfish, sinful choice, and we know the consequences that we're experiencing are because of that, it makes it even harder to believe that God would still care, that God still loves, that God still has a plan for our lives, that if we cry out to God, he will respond. It makes it really difficult to believe that in ourselves. And so maybe that's where you're at. I don't know. Maybe you've, you've been in a situation like Jonah where you've, uh, you've been running from God and you've been running so long, so far, you really believe there's really not much chance of him responding to me. And you're here maybe as a last-ditch effort. You know, I'll try this church thing one more time. I'll give this God thing another try just to see if maybe he'll respond, but I'm not exactly holding my breath. Maybe that's you. Uh, if not, maybe you've been there and so you certainly can relate. Maybe you have family or friends that are in that situation where no matter what you say to them about God's grace, God's love, God's compassion, God's faithfulness, they just can't quite believe it. But Jonah, goodness, he is, he is living, he, he was living proof and his story continues to be living proof of the fact that that's just not true. That while you have breath, because of God's grace, and specifically because of the person and work of the Lord Jesus, hopeless doesn't have to be in your vocabulary. Because of all he's done. Because of all he's made available. Because of who he is. Not because of, of anything that you and I are. Not because of any, any 
goodness that's intrinsically found in us because of the infinite, perfect goodness that's found in our God. Because of Him, because of His faithfulness, because of His promises, and again, because of what Christ has accomplished. As long as you have breath, no matter how far you went away, if you look this way and you you start turning back to God, you'll find that He's already there where you're at. He doesn't even wait for you to come to Him. He pursues you. Just like in the story of the prodigal child, you know, in the New Testament. The father ran out to meet the son before the son even got to the house, right? That can be your story. And for many of us, it is our story. That when we were at our lowest, we found that God was absolutely there and he responded to us. It's a beautiful thing. And you're not going to find this anywhere except in God. He's the only one that's going to be faithful to this every single time. Even at our lowest, he'll listen. Well, the other thing that we we see here uh, in Jonah's prayer early on that he teaches us is that God's sovereignty can still be seen in bad situations. God's sovereignty can still be seen in bad situations. His control and his ordering of things and, and his reigning and ruling on the throne is still evident and still able to be embraced even in bad situations. Let's look at verse 3. He says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. That's another quote from the Psalms. Uh, but, But it's pretty interesting, isn't it, that he says, You cast me into the deep? I mean, hold on, let's rewind. Jonah, you told the sailors to throw you in. You're the one that said to do that. And they, they did that. The sailors picked you up. They threw you in. At first glance, it almost seems like Jonah's blaming God for where he's at, for his situation, doesn't it? Just, just at first glance. But that's really not what he's saying here. That's not what he, he's not accusing God of doing to him what, what his own situation and predicament caused to develop. What he's actually recognizing here is, God, even in my sinful actions, my sinful choices, even in my rebellion, even in me trying to do the ultimate retreat away from you by having the sailors throw me into the sea, even in my, my, my suicidal tendency here, even in all of that, I recognize you are still sovereign. And, and you allowed this to happen. You, you brought the details together. You actually caused me to be in this situation so that I would have no choice but to look up to you. I recognize even in in this bad circumstance that I found myself in, in in this being in in the grave, as it were, and and being tossed and, and overwhelmed by all these waves and these bills, which are yours anyway. I mean, God, you control the sea. You, they, it answers to you. We see that in Jesus in the New Testament, right? We alluded to that last week. Uh, with the comparison of Jonah being asleep in the boat and his peace not being God's peace compared to Jesus being asleep in the boat and being able to be totally at peace because he was completely doing the will of the Father. And when the disciples came to him and said, don't you care, we're about to die, get up, Jesus, why are you asleep? He just looked at the sea and he said, stop. And it did, right? So Jonah's recognizing God's sovereignty even over the waves, over the ocean that swallowed him up. And he says, your hand was in that, God. Even in that, it wasn't random. Even in in my telling the sailors to throw me overboard, that was something that you ordained. 
And look, as soon as I got into the water, I mean, there was this fish. I can't deny your sovereignty, God. Even in my own sinfulness, I can't out your sovereignty, is what Jonah is saying here. And that's good news. That is good news, Christian, who struggles with sin still, even though you are saved. I mean, when you come to Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is true. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's very true. But that's, that's positional. That's where we are before God in Christ. In ourselves, in our life here on earth, our physical existence, we're still dealing with sin, right? Aren't you? I mean, every day, every moment you're contending with this horrible sin-diseased flesh that still vies for control. And it's so comforting to know, to me, and I hope to you, to know that even when I foolishly sin and make those sinful choices, which aren't good, aren't right, there's no excuse for it, but even then, I don't negate or disintegrate God's sovereignty over my life, even by my sin. It's good news. And Jonah is recognizing that. That even, his, even in bad, bad situations, which this is a bad situation. You don't get much worse than being swallowed by a fish and living inside of it. But even in that, God's sovereignty is still evident and still at work, still obvious. Um, and what we have to do is come to the place where we realize that and we believe that and we embrace this sovereignty, even if it doesn't answer all the questions we have. Even in our, in our bad situation, if we don't get all the answers to why we're in it, even if we don't see all the outcomes coming together in this perfect puzzle piece like we always want it to be, even then we have a decision that's available to us to choose to believe in God's sovereignty and His perfect sovereignty, His good sovereignty, even in the situations that we might not have all the answers to. And that's the choice that's before us. Will we believe in His, his perfect control, in His goodness, no matter what? Or will we only believe in it and recognize it when things are coming our way and going the way we want them to? And sometimes the storm is to get us to that crisis point where we realize for ourselves, maybe for the first time, you know what, I I love you and I serve you and I worship you and I live for you, God, because you are God, period. Not because I have good things from you. I worship you, God, not because of the the good gifts that, that you give me and the blessings that come my way by being with you and in a relationship with you, I know I'm going to worship you and acknowledge your hand in and over my life, period, just because you are who you are. Maybe that's what God is doing in your life, or maybe that's what he needs to do in your life. It's not fun, it's not comfortable, it's not easy. I've been there, trust me. Uh, The biggest storm of that effect and for that reason in my life was losing my mother, and, and I had to get to that point where I realized my worship of God and my love for him and my proclaiming of his goodness and all of that was largely based on on a very um, self-inflated view of him. And I had to get to the point where I realized he's God and he's good no matter what because he's God. And maybe that's the choice that's before you. Certainly was the choice before Jonah, and we see him recognizing that. Well, not only can uh, God's sovereignty still be seen in bad situations, 
but there's something else that bad situations do for us, what they, what they bring us to, uh, and that is this, that, and this is what we find in this prayer. Another thing that, that he teaches us through this prayer is that desperate people depend on grace. Desperate people depend on grace. Uh, it's like Jesus saying to the Pharisees, it's the, the sick that know they need a doctor. You know, those that are healthy think they're all right. You know, I'm healthy, I'm good. I don't need your services. I don't need a doctor. Most of us uh, uh, aren't signing up to go and, and have all kinds of tests done on us and, you know, prods and, and, and pricks and, and shots and all this stuff uh, just because we like it. I mean, if so, there's some serious other things going on. You need to go to a different kind of a doctor. Um, you know, uh, most of us don't like doctors, and we're going to try to avoid them at all costs, even when we need them, right? Um, but, man, there's, there's points where you feel so bad and you're, you're dealing with so much that you're willing to say, all right, just take me to a doctor, give me to any doctor, I don't care, I'm in so much pain, I'm in so much misery, I just need some help here. And it's desperate people that know they need grace, that know they need help, that they need remedy that they can't find in themselves, and they depend on it. It's desperate people that do that. And here's a, a little clue for all of us. Desperate people is all there is. Desperate people is all there is. We're all desperate for something that only Christ can provide. Remedy and rescue and hope and, and purpose and life uh, abundant and full. Not, not free of problems, but abundant and full in Him and, and who He is and, and knowing we're secure in Him. And, and then when we close our eyes in this life, knowing we have a true an eternal life waiting for us. We all are desperate for that. Every single person on planet earth is desperate for that. But even after we, we step into that and admit that desperation and, and become part of Christ, even after that, believer, you're still desperate every day of your life for His grace and mercy. And you're still desperate every moment for the power of the Spirit to guide you into all that He has for you and all that it means to walk with Christ. You can't do that on your own. You know that. I know that. Every time we try, we fail. We fall flat. So we're still desperate people. Desperate people is all there is. Here's what Jonah had to say uh, about that, verses 4 through 7. So he's recognizing... um, that the God hears him even at his lowest. He's recognizing God's sovereignty even in his bad circumstance. And then he says this, verse 4 through 7, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. See, he, he kind of, in a way, he got what he wanted, not, not fully. He wasn't totally abandoned by God. We, we see that already. But, you know, in a way, it's like God gave him what he was asking for, and so be careful what you ask, you know. Sometimes God will give you the very thing you're seeking, and then you'll find that it leaves you completely empty, which he was trying to tell you all along. Okay? Then he said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh, Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. That's grace. 
That's grace on display in vivid detail. Jonah, who was a prophet, rejected his prophetic office, rejected the God who he claimed to know and serve and worship, got away from him, totally in sin, totally in rebellion, didn't repent when they had the chance. And so he's really in this situation, in this fish, getting what he deserves. But even the fish itself is an evidence of grace. Because Jonah getting what he deserved would be to sink to the bottom of the ocean and be done. So even the fact that there's this fish swallowing up Jonah, still keeping him alive, that itself is an act of grace. And we see grace even in that. As bad of a circumstance as it is, as unpleasant, it's still gracious. And, and the fact that God responded to him in the fish at the very beginning of this prayer that, that we know that Jonah was assured God heard him and God is responding, there's grace. That shouldn't have happened. Jonah should not have the response of God after all that he did. After all of his rejection of God's voice, he shouldn't expect to hear it again. But yet he did. And he's given now this amazing second chance. His life is spared. And, and he's given assurance that not only is he heard by God, he's given assurance that he will once again be able to look and see God's holy temple. He'll be able to worship God in, in, in the temple and honor him and praise him. And he'll be restored is what this is talking about. He's assured of his own restoration back with God. It's all grace. It's all grace. And Jonah, in his desperate situation, knows that apart from God's grace, he would truly have no hope. And we need to remember that. We need to believe that. We're told in our society, in our culture, that everything can be better by a little bit more effort. That nobody should ever be made to feel guilty because you don't deserve that. You deserve everything that you can get. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Don't let anybody keep anything from you. You deserve the very best every time, all the time, and go out and get it. Don't let anybody stop you from it. And whatever you decide is right for you is right for you. Don't let anybody judge you. That's what we're told in society, right? That's the message of of the day that we're inundated with. But that's just not true. When people ask my dad, hey, Ed, how are you doing? Especially with in light of my mom, you know, being, being in home and him still being here. He says, well, it's hard, but every day out of hell is a good day. It's good perspective, right? Joan is realizing that. You know, I'm comparing my situation in this fish to the grave, but I know it's not the grave. I know it's not hell. It may feel like it, but it's not hell. And maybe certain situations in your life have felt very close to, you know, hellacious but you're not there. You're not in it. Desperate people depend on grace, and desperate people know they need grace. How desperate are you? Are you at that point? Total desperation, nothing else is working, no one else is coming through. Maybe, just maybe, your desperation is being used by God to cause you to depend on grace. Well, he also teaches us in this prayer um, that God is the only anchor that never gives way. 
God is the only anchor that never gives way. He's been tossed about, Jonah has, in, in all the, the sea and the waves and the storm. He was on the boat and it about broke up and, and uh, there was no anchor in sight for him or the sailors to use that could secure them and keep them from, from being totally overrun by the storm. Now he was, he's thrown into the, the ocean and he couldn't get back up. And now he's at the mercy of this fish and he certainly doesn't have any other anchor to grab onto. He doesn't have any other anchor to hold onto. And so Jonah definitely saw that God is the only anchor that never, ever gives way. And the sailors that threw him in the ocean started to see that too. Because after they threw Jonah into the ocean, it says the storm immediately stopped. Just like Jesus did when he got up at the boat with the disciples. Be still. Quim. That's what happened with, with Jonah. They threw him into the ocean. And it just stopped. No more raging wind and waves. And the text says in chapter 1 that they, they were overcome not by fear from the storm like they were. They were overcome with fear in the Lord. And they turned their attention to him and they sacrificed him. And they made vows to him. In other words, they started realizing all these other gods that we prayed to before that weren't responding. They didn't stop the storm, but Jonah's God did. He must be the only God. We better, we better start worshiping him. We better anchor ourselves to him. That's what they did. Look at what verse 8 says. Those who pay regard to vain, that's empty, idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. Why? Because our hope for steadfast love will always only be found in Yahweh. He's the only one the Lord God Almighty, He is the only one who will always be a source of endless, steadfast love and hope. And every other idol, no matter how shiny it is, no matter how bright and how strong it may seem, will always leave us empty and hopeless. Always. And there's some idols that are really deceiving because they, they're really good things. You know, there's idols like um, our children. We can make our children idols pretty easily, mom and dad. There's things like work, which is a good thing. We should work. We should work to the best of our ability. But if we're not careful, we'll make our work, our idol, our God. Um, resources, financial resources, you know, money. Not a bad thing in itself. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because it becomes an idol. There's even the chance to make church and ministry and serving God into an idol a counterfeit God. Anything, anyone, any place that we, we put in place of God or elevate to equal standing with God is an idol and will rob us of the hope and the joy and the fulfillment and the steadfast love that we can only find in God. He's the only anchor that will never give way. Everything else, everything else in life will. Well, um, as we come to the end of the prayer, uh, we see a, a couple other incredible, valuable, uh, just treasures that, that we are able to, to be taught um, about God and, and ourselves uh, with what Jonah has to say. Verse 9 says this, and I'm going to read the verse before I give you uh, what, what Jonah teaches us there. Verse 9 says this, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you 
What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You see the contrast between that and verse 8? Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But, but I, I I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to continue to pursue this idolatry that I pursued um, in my abandonment of you. Uh, I've, been, I've been pursuing my own agenda. I've been my own idol. I'm forsaking that. Instead, I, here's what I'm going to do, with a voice of thanksgiving for all you've done for me, God, I am going to sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. And, and what Jonah teaches us, what he experienced, is what, if you're in Christ today, if you're sitting here as one who is in Christ, you've experienced the same thing. That's rescue from God. That's what he experienced. And what Jonah is saying here, and what he's learning is that rescue from God should result. It should result in worship and service to God. Rescue from God should result in worship and service to God. And if you're here today and you've, you've been given the grace of God and he's brought you to himself, He's awakened your heart to your need of salvation. And you've accepted his incredible offer of life in Jesus. Then no matter where you were before, no matter what your situation or circumstance, whether it was good or whether it was bad, you have been rescued by God. Because apart from Jesus Christ, listen, listen, apart from Christ, everyone is drowning. We're all drowning in the sea of ourself, in the sea of sin, in the sea of rebellion, in the sea of judgment. We're all drowning. We're born into a raging sea of sin. And we're all drowning in it. And it is only grace that extends that lifeboat. It's only grace that draws us out of that. So if you're a Christian today, you have been rescued, divinely so, by a gracious, loving God. And our only response when we realize that, you've rescued me, God. You've rescued me out of the flood, out of the sea, out of my sin, out of judgment, out of hell. You've rescued me. Our only response when that really clicks is now that you've, you've rescued my life, you've given me life, you've breathed life into this, this corpse that I was, the only fitting response is here's my life to you. I give you my life that you gave me. I give it to you. I will worship you. I will serve you. I will reject idolatry over and over again because I'm prone to it, God. I know that. I I return to it. I return to it. But I will keep rejecting and I'll keep turning from it back to you. I'll just keep doing that. And that's my, my life of sacrifice before you. And then lastly, but certainly not least, we see beautifully in concept, but not beautiful in actual physical action, we see that God responds to repentance. God responds to repentance every time. Look at what happens, and this is why I say it's not beautiful in terms of how it actually went down. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish, which was under his control. I mean, the You know, he was appointed by him, and man, animals are so much better than us as far as obedience, you know, and listening to the voice of God, they they just do it. Um, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Right before lunchtime, there you go, you're welcome. But hey, I I didn't write it, okay? That's what happened. 
And uh, man, this had to be quite the expulsion because let's say that the fish swam a little bit closer to Nineveh before he did the, the vomiting of Jonah. Jonah still will, would have had to walk about 300 miles just from the shoreline, just at the coast of, uh, from, from the coast to where Nineveh actually was. And if he was not that far by the coast, let's say he was farther out in the ocean, I mean, where Jonah was dropped could have been as much as 500 miles to Nineveh. So, regardless, this is quite the, uh, quite the expulsion of Jonah from the fish. And as disgusting as that is and, and awful, um, you have to see it as what it is, which is God responding to Jonah's repentance, to his, his amazing prayer that we just went through. And all I have to say in continuation of that, and, and as I wrap up, is this. Don't ever listen to the lie of the enemy that says you're too far gone. You've sinned one too many times. If you had sinned a little bit less or in a little bit maybe palatable way, maybe repentance might happen. But no, what you did was just too far and too many times. This has happened too many times. This is, this is just this is enough. There's no way that God will respond to any type of repentance on your part yet again. And he does that. And he lies that way. And my, my guess is you've probably heard something like that in your life. Well, I'm beyond repenting. I might as well just keep going down this path because I've just done too much, too far, too long. And I'm beyond being able to repent. And even if I did, there's just no way God could respond to me now. That is a lie from the enemy. And again, Jonah is proof of that. That God responds to repentance. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm sorry, God. I, I, I'm sorry again. That's not repentance. Repentance is agreeing with God on what your sin is, acknowledging it, the, the horrid, horrid aspect of it, the pain of it. It's acknowledging how terrible it is, but it's also acknowledging that greater than your sin is the grace of a Savior who died to free you from that sin and whose blood covered not just the little quote, quote, sins, which don't exist anyway, but all of your sin. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. We can all say that, what, the, what that great song says that we, most of us are so familiar with. That can all be our song, that can all be our story. God responds to true repentance. When you agree with him on what your sin is and you abandon it, you, you, you break the idol that it is, you turn away from it and you start going back to him and that's where you see him right there with you, right where you're at. It's a beautiful thing. Now, all that being said, I, uh, I wish I could say that this repentance we see here uh, lasted. I wish I could say that, that once this took place, that Jonah was back full force. I mean, he did a, a, a 180 degrees that, that just lasted, and he was on fire for the Lord again, and everything was great. But we'll see next week, and really especially the week after, 
um, that's not exactly how it went. And that repentance is very much a process. It's not a one-and-done type thing. That's what we're going to see as we go on in Jonah. Repentance is a process. Pray with me. And you know what? Before I lead us in prayer, everybody go ahead and and just be in a a mindset, an attitude of prayer. Um, But I I have to ask this before I actually pray. You've all heard this now. You've heard this message. Some of you, you've heard this chapter many, many times. You're familiar with this, the story of Jonah and his situation. But maybe, maybe it's the first time you've heard it. And whether you've heard it a thousand or just one, um, my question to you would be the same. And that's, can you identify with what Jonah experienced? Have you personally stepped into and surrendered to the grace of of God that totally defies logic, that totally exceeds expectation, His grace that is absolutely radical. Have you experienced it yourself? Have you you experienced that God does respond even in your lowest point? Have you experienced and acknowledged God's sovereignty in your life and over your life even in bad circumstances? Have you abandoned the idols that you've been clinging to Have you experienced the peace that comes from truly repenting of your sin? If the answers to those questions are, if it would be no, no, I've not ever experienced that. No, I've not actually ever surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never received his gift of salvation. I want to give you that opportunity right now, and it's not me giving you the opportunity, it's God giving you the opportunity right now to give your life to the one that gave you life. I would just love to pray for you in that. I'd love to talk with you one-on-one afterwards. Is there anybody who would say, yes, Pastor, that's, that's me. You described me. Anybody at all? I need this grace that you're talking about today. I need this kind of God. I, I need to know what it is to have a life in him and from him. Anybody at all? Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you for this message from Jonah. Thank you for what Jonah's prayer teaches us about you and about our lives with you, about what it means to know you and to experience your grace and what it means to to know your sovereignty even in the worst of situations. Thank you that we can see in him what it looks like to repent and to acknowledge our idolatry and, and to know through it all, that you respond to that repentance. When we truly repent before you, you respond. And even in that, there is mercy and grace because we turn back from that repentance in one way or another. We still go on and still make foolish, sinful choices, and yet you abide with us. You pour out grace and love and mercy and grace, and you allow repentance to be a process in our lives. We'll see that as we go forward. Thank you, God. There's no one like you. We, we cannot find in others anything at all of what we find in you. You are, the, you are the absolute source of all that we need in all of life and for all of eternity. And I pray that if there is someone who has not experienced that personally, that today would be the day where they do it. Today would be the day of their salvation and their life. And for those of us who do know it, who are yours, 
please, by your Spirit, empower us to live a life of perpetual repentance before you, to live a life of true holiness, and to live a life of availability for you to use us in however you see fit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.